0: welcome to episode number 108 of the random thoughts podcast that's r-a-n-d-u-m-b thoughts.com i am your host darren o'neill on today's show I've got a few different things to talk about from uh paypal and their security challenges uh setting up a new iphone for my dad alternate realities and the late great jerry jeff walker but i have to learn how to speak a little bit clearer because the random part the system Otter AI that we're going to give a try out to to do some transcriptions it didn't pick that up correctly although it did a really good job it was something that was recommended by the podfather Adam Curry now that they're doing some really cool stuff with the new podcasting 2.0 podcastindex.org with being able to bake some new things into the system into the podcast uh, ecosystem, if you will. Yes, cold acid, otter, O T T E R otTER.ai is the website. It's a transcription service, but it's relatively inexpensive for podcasters. I mean, if you're not making any money whatsoever, 10 bucks a month, yeah, it's a hit. But I do believe having transcriptions for the podcasts will go a long way because it makes them searchable now via a search engine. So if you talk about something that somebody's searching for on, you know, the evil Google or any other search engine, there's a much greater chance that somebody can find your podcast. Because that's one of the biggest problems with podcasts is that you can do really good notes. You can try to do the best keywords when you're posting these things, but you're never, especially in longer shows, and we're no stranger to that with grumpy old Benz usually going over two hours the show i do with ryan Bemrose, grumpy OldBenz.com, you're not checking that one out you know this show is relatively reasonable in the half hour range 45 minutes i know we bloviate beyond that at times but this is something that podcasters have never really had an easy way to do which is to do an audio program and have the transcription so it's going to be interesting to have that is going to be interesting to see if it makes any kind of a difference as far as the amount of people coming in from search engines and if that'll actually help the amount of people that you know listen donate do all the good stuff when it comes to a variety of podcasts and i do think it's something that jumping in earlier rather than later makes sense but it should be something that is good all the way around for the podcasting folks now something that's not good for business is what PayPal has been doing and it seems to be relatively recently over the past two weeks and I probably uh, if you listen to other stuff that I do I've probably complained about this already but they're coming up with security challenges now which are the evil recaptcha crap which if you have only one shitty eye, it makes it a lot harder to deal with the recapture and it's never just one even if you get it correct it's never just one so it really is let's play stupid human tricks and i don't understand i mean okay i understand the need for security when you're a company like paypal that's doing banking and stuff like that but i figured okay you know what should take care of this let me go in and turn on two factor authentication because two factor authentication. I mean, that should get rid of the need for me to have to do a stupid recapture to get into my account, right? No. No. And here's the funny thing and sad all at the same time. Once you have the two factor authentication on, it won't, <laughs> you can click the little, uh, you know, have the little checkbox, remember this device. So it sets a cookie in your browser. But it still will then ask you for the reCAPTCHA, but it won't make you do the 2FA. It won't make you do the two-factor authentication again, but it still will make you do the reCAPTCHA. So I'm getting the hell off of PayPal because I went to them on Twitter and I wasn't nice on Twitter. And that's not something that I normally do, which is go to immediately to asshole mode, I guess is the way you want to call it. But that was my immediate reaction to uh, PayPal was fuck you and your security challenge. And I do believe, as somebody pointed out to me on Twitter, that there should be an American with Disabilities Act lawsuit against them for this because it is making it unnecessarily difficult for people with poor eyesight to log into their account. They have an audio version, too, of the recapture. That's just as bad trying to understand what's being said. And again, there's no reason for it. Once you set up two factor authentication or something like that, there is absolutely no reason for the recapture. So I did send a message then to PayPal because, I mean, that's, you know, their original, their stupid canned response on Twitter as usual. Hey, we'd love to help you. So I sent a message to Twitter specifically. It took them over 24 hours to respond. And they said, well, yeah, we can't we, we can't turn that off. So I am looking for a new replacement. The Twitter donation buttons will be disappearing from random thoughts and from grumpy old Ben's. Hopefully sometime this week. I've had some people suggest things like Zelle and Venmo and Square. I mean, we're already doing Patreon there's a bunch of different sites that do stuff like this. We're going to find a better alternative and the PayPal will disappear. I've had a PayPal account for 20 years. Congratulations, PayPal. One way to lose a client. I'm sure they don't care, but I refuse to deal with somebody that has that kind of crappy business practices that makes absolutely zero sense. It's not for my security. It seems that Google has to be paying them or something to get all of these clicks for, for, in order to people to train these devices, because it's certainly not for security. Once I have two factor authentication set up, there's no more security being added to the system when you add in the stupid recapture. But I digress. You know, I give Xfinity a hard time. Well, a lot of people do. I don't do it as much as others. And I've mentioned before, how decent the Xfinity mobile is. Very cheap if you don't want to use mobile data. And my wife and I don't. My parents don't. We put them on my account because it really doesn't add anything. It's like 15 bucks a month and everybody shares up to one gig. And believe it or not, that's between four people. We never really come close to going over a gig. Well, Well, maybe when my mom was in the hospital, we might have gone over. But usually, no. So it's a nice, cheap and reliable cell phone service. My dad's iPhone battery. Well, dead, very dead, as dead as dead can be. And I didn't even realize they got this dead because my mom told me, well, yeah, we can't even get it won't charge at all. It won't get past the little thing that shows the red battery on the screen. So I'm like, well, we'll just order them a new phone and the new iPhone se i think it is which is the same size as the iphone 6 that he had you know it's not one of these obscenely large phones that they want to push now but the iphone se the 2020 version was like 150 bucks after they send you a 250 and fifty dollar card back or something like that so for 150 bucks i'm like well you know you could take the thing down to apple and they'll change the battery on an old phone that's getting a little bit long in the tooth anyway And they'll charge you 50 to 75 bucks, I think it is, to change the battery. So for, you know, 150 bucks to replace the whole phone for what he needs it to do, absolutely fine. So I'm like, okay. my wife went over. She was running some other errands, picked up the phone over there and brought it home and I plugged it in. And sure enough, just sitting there at the red battery, plugged it into the computer, just sitting at the red battery. The computer wouldn't recognize the iPhone because it didn't have enough of a charge even for it to, uh, for the computer to realize it was there. And I'm like, okay, well, it must be, you know, the cable that they had with, it must be bad or the charger or something. So I got another iPhone cable, plugged it in, nothing. Let it sit there for maybe 20 minutes or so. Nothing. Just sitting there at the little red battery. Now there was a way to fix this. And it was the weirdest thing. Well, I Maybe again, I am maybe pushing this a little because I've done enough weird tech stuff over the years that didn't really necessarily make sense, but still work to get things to get back to a working state. I mean, if only temporarily, even, you know, we've heard things like when people drop stuff in the toilet where it's like, well, put it in a bag of rice, which, I mean, I guess makes sense. We've heard of hard drives that if you. They have, you know, they're going bad, they're flaking out, you can't read anything. Well, if you freeze them, well, then you might get a little bit more use out of it to pull your data off. I mean, our buddy Sir Matthew knows what happens when drives go bad in the NAS. Well, then you got problems. But the re the result, well, the recipe that they had to fix this problem online was well, take the iPhone and get a dryer. And heated up for like two minutes, and I'm like, "Well, I didn't understand why that would work, but I figured why not." A lot of people were like, "Oh yeah, that absolutely works." So I took a hair dryer, put the iPhone on a towel, and just heated the mother up for like two minutes on high. Brought the thing back down, plugged it into the computer, boop, popped right up. It gave me the temperature error and said, uh, "You're gonna have to wait till I cool down." but the battery was resurrected enough for the computer to recognize the iPhone so i could back up the old one and put all of you know the photos and all the apps and stuff that he has on his existing iPhone onto the new one and that actually worked so i was very surprised but thank you internet for that particular solution i guess something happens when the batteries get old enough And I don't understand batteries enough. I'm sure there is a dude named Ben or a dude named Bernadette out in the audience that's just laughing and saying, well, this this is obvious. But there's something that happens with the batteries that dry out or something like that where the heat will reactivate them enough because now while the iPhone will charge back up to 100, it's almost like a countdown when you unplug it from the charger, even if it's doing nothing. The countdown is like 99%, 98%, 97%. The, really? The internet told you to microwave the iPhone Pro Go? That seems a little dangerous. There's metal microwaves that would cause sparks and probably a fire. But if you don't like the iPhone, that's probably the way to do it. And we're talking to people in the troll room, which is the chat room that is used for the No Agenda show every Thursday and Sunday. And we hijack it when we do shows live, which we do Grumpy Old Ben's Live on Mondays and Fridays normally. And we do these random thoughts every now and then live on Wednesdays at noon Eastern time. And that's when we do that. You can come along into the chat room over at NoAgendastream.com. It's via IRC. So if you really want to get your nerd on, you can get a program like Hex Chat or something like that. And chat just like it's nineteen ninety all over again but it's appreciated. I mean, that way people can fact check, make comments real time. And again, I have a crappy eye. So sometimes it's hard to follow along with what's going on, but we appreciate when people show up to listen to the shows live, it makes it a little bit more fun. And it shows that, you know, we're not just editing these things all together and we're not cheating. We're doing these things live as the great Bill O'Reilly told us doing it live is the way to go. So I was happy. I mean, the whole concept was from Xfinity's standpoint, you just went into their website, ordered the new phone. It showed up with the new card. Everything activated quickly and easily. So people give Xfinity a lot of crap for a lot of things, and maybe they deserve it at times. Their mobile stuff just seems to be working really well. I don't care that they're just renting the space from somebody else the way they're doing it just seems to be working and that's all I'm really worried about and the price you just can't beat it but beyond that the rest of the world is still going on I mean hey we have an election in less than a week which means by the time random thoughts comes back well I was going to say we'll know who the next president of the United States is but I'm not really sure we're going to know on next week Wednesday who the next president of the United States is. A lot can still happen. The polls are proving to be just as useful as they were last time around when they swore to everybody Hillary Clinton was going to run away with the whole thing. We all know how that went. The uh, same polls that had uh, had, uh, Clinton losing and Trump winning the last time are still showing some really big hope for Donald Trump. Including the Rasmussen poll, which seems to be going back and forth lately. They they got it right last time. And they're going back and forth with like, oh, Trump's up by one percent, and then the next day, oh, Biden's up by one percent. So it's gonna be a nail biter, which just means with all of the vote from home, the mail in votes, all this stuff they've been doing this time around, there's no doubt this is probably well, I see that that's wrong, because I can't say there's no doubt and it'll probably be something but I believe it's going to be an extended thing. I don't believe unless something really weird happens. And the only way that's going to happen is if Trump wins in a massive landslide. And even then, I don't think Biden's going to give up the first time. Remember what Hillary told him, no matter what happens on election night, do not concede the election so that'll be fun to see. But there are alternate realities going on. And CNN this morning, I pull them up every morning just to see what they say. And it used to be when CNN still had some journalistic integrity, it was, well, let's see what CNN's saying. I like to get my news from a variety of sources, which everybody should. If you're going to go to MSNBC, you should go to Fox. If you're going to go to CNN, you should go to Breitbart. You should get yourself a variety of sources. And try to figure out where the truth is. Because the reality now is a lot of the media just plain old lies to you. So I went to the CNN website this morning. And if you've been following the news, you know what's been going on overnight in Philadelphia, which is more rioting, more looting, more burning. You may have followed what's going on in Los Angeles because the Dodgers won the World Series. I mean, yay, it's the COVID series but the Dodgers won the World Series. And I mean, here's the the way we know that everybody that was rioting and looting throughout the country after the George Floyd thing and the Breonna Taylor and all this stuff, we know it was only for good reasons and for social justice. Yeah, social justice. Well, last night, the Los Angeles Dodgers won the World Series. And I guess in Los Angeles, they start rioting and looting. So I mean, yeah, they do the same damn thing. Whether a uh, sports team wins a championship or a black person got killed. Now I'm not sure what you say about a community that reacts the same when a sports franchise wins and a black guy gets killed. But hey, you guys do you. But CNN, maybe you could cover this. And I went to the CNN website because I wanted to see how if at all they were covering these stories this morning and i didn't and didn't see anything off the top of my head about any of these stories so i did a little search just to make sure you know bad eyes so i decided to do a search for the words on cnn's homepage for riot riot didn't show up anywhere they were just overnight protests in philadelphia didn't see any mention Of the Los Angeles stuff. I did a search for violence. The word violence didn't show up. Did a search for the word loot, looting, didn't show up. Now, all of this stuff going on, I guess CNN doesn't find any of that to be newsworthy, but their headline, the largest headline on CNN.com this morning was Donald Trump is selling an alternate reality. welcome to Kettle. My goodness. I just couldn't. uh, I couldn't believe the irony. And of course, I tweeted that and I posted that out on No Agenda Social, which is a Mastodon server, the Federation, which is a much better place to be than Twitter. I posted the same thing to both with you just can't make this up. And many people immediately kind of responded, telling me I kind of booted that joke because they said, well, obviously you can make this stuff up. And that is what CNN is doing for a living now. So it's sad that the once great news organization, and there was a time where I think CNN actually was a legitimate news organization, uh, no longer. They have gone to complete social justice warrior insanity. They've gone to complete Orange Man bad. And you can't get news there anymore. You can't get news. If you're looking to just. See a bunch of propaganda. That's the place you go. Uh, Fox News did cover the Dodger win. And the headline there was Los Angeles erupts into overnight unrest after the Dodgers win, sparking coronavirus and crime concerns. Well, the coronavirus, okay, maybe you're going to say that sparks a concern. Well, there's no crime concern. There was crime going on, there was looting of stores, and there were, because it's Los Angeles. There were no arrests made, and there's probably not going to be any arrests made because of the way business is being done now. Just like in New York, it's catch and release. Yeah, oh, we don't. want oh, no, they're they're poor people. They we can't we can't hold them responsible for their looting because they're poor. Now the interesting thing is the Los Angeles Police Department. Obviously, they still want to be able to go after criminals. Because earlier Tuesday, they received approval to start recording and saving any aerial footage that they take of the protests, you know, riots, all those kind of things from its helicopters. Now, the local chapter of Black Lives Matter is really pissed off that they're going to be able to use this saying it's the height of state repression and surveillance. Uh, No, the state of repression and surveillance is what happens when they spy on you in your own homes while you're out on the streets rioting and looting that is nowhere near the height of surveillance and that is not repression you don't have an expectation of privacy as you walk down the street committing crimes hate to tell you black lives matter you're wrong there i know it's your marxist ideals but you're just plain wrong now when it comes to what people are saying online and what people are able to say online we've talked about this maybe here i know we talked about it on grumpy old ben's the whole concept of section 230 being adjusted or being looked at which was the part of the legislation that from the communications decency act of 1996 And this is a thing that protects social media or any website from any liability due to third party posts on their platform. So we have, you know, the random thoughts website. People can go and they can leave comments there. That means if somebody goes to the random thoughts website, it leaves a comment that is illegal in any way, shape or form, you know, calling for whatever that. The person that owns the website is not held responsible because it's a forum of free speech. Now, there's been a lot of not free speech going on when it comes to Twitter and Facebook. That story's been beaten to death. And Jack Dorsey, you know, the main douche over at Twitter is really, I think, scared about this whole Section 230 thing. He just came out and said, "Well, you know, if if they do this, it could have lasting consequences for free speech on the internet." And I'm thinking, yeah, it could actually help, Jack. It could help to defuse what you and your cronies are doing. I mean, Twitter is the worst, I believe, out of all of them for silencing conservative voices. And Jack just wants to put his head in the sand. I don't know exactly why. I mean, I think Jack originally was a guy that kind of uh, championed free speech. No more. I mean, Trump derangement syndrome is getting a little bit too strong. But there's a quote from Jack saying eroding the foundation of Section 230 could collapse how we communicate on the Internet, leaving only a small number of giant and well-funded technology companies. We should also be mindful that undermining Section 230 will result in far more removal of online speech and impose severe limitation on our collective ability to address harmful content and protect people online. Well, and that's where the heart of the matter really does lie in this. When people want to block, quote, harmful content. Because who decides what is harmful content? We talked about at one point when steven crowder who does a show over on the blaze youtube all those places comedian slash conservative commentator was doing one of his change my mind things he goes out and he talks to people on the street and he changed my mind about whatever and he had a woman that was in from germany and he said to her well you know you can say this and this but you're you're from, you come from a company that doesn't have free speech and she's like, no, 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 we have free speech. We have free speech. And he's like, no, you don't. She's like, yes, we do. You're lying. And he's like, well, can you say you love Nazis or Hitler or whatever? You know, this And she's like, well, no, you can't say that. And he's like, well, then you don't have free speech. And there's something that's lost on people, which is once you start censoring any kind of speech, you have started down that slippery slope. And there is very little that can put the genie back in the bottle at that point. Because who gets to determine what is harmful content? We're seeing now that Facebook and Twitter are harmful content is coming from the president of the United States. It's coming from accredited doctors and scientists. If it says something they don't like, though, it's now become harmful content and we have to protect people. No, you don't. The world is not a place where you're protected. I'm sorry life is not a thing where you're protected. Everybody's going to die. This is just the overall truth of the matter. This is not a safe world for a variety of reasons. And the best things that parents can do is teach their children this, to teach them that it's not safe, to teach them that there are bad people in the world, not to think, That they can go out and just, oh, we can protect you from everything. Let's just bubble wrap little Johnny and roll him down the street. That's how he'll be safe. This concept, just like with COVID-19, the insane left is blasting Trump's guy that was like, you know, we we just we're not even going to try to contain this anymore. We can't contain it. Oh, my God. How could you say we can't contain it? Well, have we ever contained the common cold? Have we ever contained the flu? Have we contained any of these things? No. Why? Because you can't. It's a part of the world. You cannot contain it. It's never going to be contained. You have to just worry about mitigation. And the articles you're seeing on places like CNN pointing the finger like, oh, my God, can you believe this? These Trump morons, they're just relying on vaccines and medications. That's all there is, people. That's all there is. It's vaccines and medications when it comes to disease. There's nothing else you can do unless you want to nuke the planet. Maybe if we nuke the whole planet, everything, uh those little viruses, they'll all go away. But probably not even then. They'd probably outsurvive us. But it's really sad when uh this stuff continues on the internet, on Twitter, and that. And I'm hoping that 230 can have some kind of teeth to go after companies. That decide they want to be editors of content rather than places for people to go to have conversations. I'm okay with them pulling down things, you know, child porn, pornography, that off of places like Twitter, but no longer allow them to take down ideas. I don't care if the ideas are we think Adolf Hitler's the greatest guy ever. I don't care. I don't. You know, just it doesn't matter. Let those people say what they want to say and then let everybody else in the world point to him and go well you're a moron and here's why this is what's not happening with the media and Joe Biden right now nobody's pointing at him and all the lies that he and Kamala Harris are coming out with including continuing to repeat the trump said there were very fine people in the nazis i mean it's just it's so insane that things that are very easily debunked that they keep repeating it But the news media lets them go on. The news media, folks, is not your friend. They haven't been your friend in a long time. And if you're looking for honest journalism, you do need to go somewhere beyond CNN, MSNBC, you know, even Fox. They're they're not what they used to be either. But there's a lot of great citizen journalists out there, even though not all of them have a great polished style. There's a lot of guys out there and girls that are putting out good content, that are putting out truthful content that they may not be polished, but you can believe the message. And that is what should be important at this point, not anything else. But with all that said, we lost Jerry Jeff Walker this past week. I mean, this comes on the heels of losing Eddie Van Halen a couple of weeks ago. And for this one for me was a bigger deal. I mean, he was older. I mean, I get it. 78 years old. He had throat cancer, which is very similar. Daddy Van Halen, cancer got both of them, so fuck cancer. And health karma to my mom who's going under cancer surgery on Monday. So, I mean, I said you're going to have a fun time for the election no matter what. But Jerry Jeff Walker was the guy. I don't even remember where I first heard Jerry Jeff Walker cuz I don't remember a time when I don't think I didn't know who Jerry Jeff Walker was. My dad listened to a variety of music. It still does from Frank Sinatra to the old country guys. There was no shortage of albums from Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard. I don't remember ever seeing Jerry Jeff, but he was definitely right in the vein of those guys because he was country, but he was the the alt country, which is a term that's become popular since then. But he was the the gonzo country. He was the counterculture country. And he is a guy who lived a life that I think uh, most of us would be jealous of because he lived life to the fullest. He was born in upstate New York as Ronald Clyde Crosby. And he decided after he graduated high school, he hitchhiked his way from New York down into through Florida and was just, you know, doing life, doing that, playing his guitar, writing songs, and he got a record deal, wrote a song that was on his first album, which was Mr. Bojangles, which is a song I think everybody that can hear my voice right now has heard the song Mr. Bojangles because it was recorded. By like a hundred plus people, I believe. The nitty-gritty dirt band had a big hit with it. Bob Dylan covered it. Nina Simone covered it. Harry Belafonte covered it. Hell, even Sammy Davis Jr. covered it and had some very high praise. Sammy Davis Jr., if I remember right, said it was either the best song that he had ever heard or his favorite. And I think it was because that was the life that Sammy Davis Jr. led was the life of Mr. Bojangles. But now Jerry Jeff Walker could write a song and he could also interpret other artists' songs, which is also a rough thing to do. Mr. Bojangles came to him, though, because he got thrown into uh, jail for a drunken disorderly or something like that. And he met a guy that he wrote the song, Mr. Bojangles, about. He then went over to New Orleans He, that's where he picked up the name Jerry Jeff Walker. Then he moved to Austin, Texas. He liked it in Austin. So he figured that would be where this persona, Jerry Jeff Walker, would be from. Even though he was a New York guy, he became more Texas than most people. I can tell you that right off the bat. When you think of Jerry Jeff Walker, you think of Texas because he made it his home and he was such a huge influence to. Not just country music, but overall popular music. He was the first guy to ever record a Guy Clark song. I know some people listening have heard of Guy Clark. We've talked about Guy a little bit, which was one hell of a songwriter. He recorded LA Freeway before Guy was, you know, really even doing the songwriting full time. He recorded Ray Wiley Hubbard's Up Against the Wall, Redneck Mother, which I mean, that song even showed up in that 70s show where they were uh, coming back. You know, the one episode, if you watch that 70s show where Red lost a job, I think it was, and he was drunk at the bar, so they sent Eric to the bar to go get Red, and then Red got Eric drunk and all his buddies drunk, and their Kitty had to come pick him up, and they're all drunk in the Vista Cruiser, driving back home, singing. Jerry Jeff Walker doing Up Against the Wall, Redneck Mother. So his his songs are definitely in the DNA of popular music. Jimmy Buffett, a good friend of Jerry Jeff Walker. A lot of people don't know he was uh, sleeping on Jerry Jeff Walker's couch for a while and he was working as an auto mechanic. I guess I didn't know Jimmy Buffett was an auto mechanic and he fixed Jerry Jeff Walker's car. uh, Good enough, I guess, because then Jerry Jeff was the guy that drove him down to Key West. So without Jerry Jeff Walker, I mean, who knows what happens to Jimmy Buffett in the career that he's had. But Jerry Jeff Walker was the guy that got him in a car and said, hey, Key West is the place you need to be, man, because Jerry Jeff had been down there and loved it in Key West and knew that it just kind of fit the Jimmy Buffett personality. Jimmy Buffett did post after the death of Jerry Jeff Walker, quote, in such a hurtful moment, I have to say that I'm so happy that he drove me to Key West. That lanky frame, cowboy hat, that energy, voice, those songs. Rye wit and wonderful laugh will be with me forever. Thank you, Jerry Jeff. Uh, even President Bill Clinton wrote, "Quote: I was saddened to hear about the passing of Jerry Jeff Walker. I'll never forget seeing him at the Armadillo Music Hall in Austin in 1972, or his performance for my 1992 campaign the night before Election Day. He was a true original, and his music will live on. I mean, that's another beauty of Jerry Jeff." Everybody from both sides of the aisle loved him. You could not find a whole lot of people that were going to dislike him because of his politics or anything like that. Probably because he kind of strayed and, you know, he didn't really make it a priority. He sang, I think, for four or five presidents, if I remember correctly. And I believe they were on both sides of the aisle. Jerry Jeff didn't care. He just wanted to play his music. And damn it, he did it quite well. He just has that easy going delivery. And he wrote a lot of songs about being a gypsy songman, just being on the road doing that whole thing. And I mean, yeah, there were successes. He did the drugs, he did the alcohol. And he says that his wife pretty much saved him. They got married in the early 70s and they went on to have a long marriage. Jerry Jeff continued to record, started his own record label, started doing yearly. Shows down in Belize at a property that he owned, and just making a uh, a damn good time about it. He did albums, you know, that were country. He did an album of all like the old jazz kind of Sinatra type songs. He was uh, not above trying different types of music, and I think that was one of the things that really made him an artist that stands out above and beyond a whole lot of them. Todd Snyder, my favorite folk singer, was. Uh, Recorded a whole album of Jerry Jeff songs. When uh, Jerry Jeff passed the other day, Todd did a whole two hour thing on YouTube where he told some stories of Jerry Jeff and did Jerry Jeff songs. So, I mean, if you're if you're into that kind of music, and I hope you are, check out Todd Snyder on YouTube with the Jerry Jeff Walker tribute. But Todd uh, said, quote, in some ways, I was already. ready what he was. This is talking about the first time he ever saw Todd Snyder when he was like 19 years old. He's like, I went to see him in some ways. I was already what he was. He was singing all of this freeloader gypsy shit. And I was a freeloader gypsy. It seemed to me right then watching Jerry Jeff that there were exactly three chords worth of difference between a freeloader and a free spirit. And, you know, I really can't argue with that. There's something to be said for, you know, if you're going to be a bullshitter, you put it to music and that makes it into a legitimate job. I mean, I guess just like, you know, being a good talker, if you'd like to talk a lot, podcasting can make that kind of into a legitimate job. But a few people posted this story as their favorite story about old Jerry Jeff. And this one also comes from Todd Snyder, who has told this story. Six million times it seems, and he swears that it's true and the details some of the details slightly change now and then and if if you're a fan of Todd Snyder, you'll know that sometimes his stories change a little bit but in the book, this is how he told the story and I think this is probably the best glimpse you can get uh, into the life of Jerry Jeff Walker and Todd Snyder and Jerry Jeff did become very, very close over the 35 years or so that he knew him. And this is from uh, Todd Snyder's book. I mean, I looked for an audio book version of this, but there wasn't one. So uh, let me try to read this for you. Last call came at 2 a.m. And Jerry, Jeff, and I were the last two people to straggle out. We walked out of that hotel and onto the sidewalk. They're on the downtown plaza. Our own hotel was just a couple hundred feet away. But as we turned the corner, We heard what sounded like a banjo and a harmonica playing Mr. Bojangles. Turns out it sounded exactly that way because it was a banjo and harmonica playing Mr. Bojangles, so we walked towards the sound. The guy with the banjo and the harmonica was not a performer kid. If he had been, he wouldn't have been out at 2 a.m. when there were no cars and no foot traffic. This was a bedraggled old guy, not a kid, a homeless guy, kind of crazy looking. With a harmonica around his neck, his hat on the ground in front of him, and nothing in the hat. It looked like a winter hat to me. The guy looked up at us without recognition. He didn't know Jerry Jeff Walker was standing there. He may have never heard of Jerry Jeff Walker. I met him in a cell in New Orleans, he sang. I was down and out. He looked to me to be the eyes of age as he spoke right out. He talked of life talked of life they were the words from Jerry Jeff's song Jerry Jeff and I stood there and we watched this guy sing him in front of a closed down old blues bar and I could feel both of us getting choked up and I was asking myself should I tell this guy that he's playing Jerry Jeff's song and that this is Jerry Jeff standing right here but no I figured that if Jerry Jeff wanted to let this guy know who he was he would tell him he chose not to When the song was over, he said, that sounded great, and then he put a fuckload of cash, every bit of cash he had on him, into the guy's hat, and we walked off to the hotel, and I just couldn't leave the moment alone. That may have been the highlight of my life, I said. Boring life so far, kid, Jerry Jeff responded. That pretty much uh, sums up every story that I've read about Jerry Jeff Walker helping the young musicians, helping the songwriters. I mean, hell, if there's a songwriter that can be a patron saint of songwriters, I think it was Jerry Jeff Walker. And he is a force in music that will certainly be missed. And again, if you dig that kind of stuff, I recommend you go check out some of Jerry Jeff's stuff. I he did like 35 albums. So there's plenty of stuff out there some of it has been discontinued and out of print but sometimes that's what the internet was for now we do have one person to thank for today's show and this came in via snail mail another one from an anonymous donor who does not want to have her name mentioned here 25 bucks with the note that said you make so much sense love your input i mean hey i can't argue with that we do make so much sense At least that is what we are trying to do, and we appreciate everybody for giving us your time to listen to these shows. There's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of things you could be doing, so taking the time to listen to the content that I put out, it is a humbling thing, and we really appreciate it. If you do want to take part in this value-for-value concept that Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak of the No Agenda Show came up with, and you want to throw a little bit of value our way, Go to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com. Click that donate button, which hopefully maybe by now isn't PayPal, but it still is. But we'll be changing that. And you can also find a QR code if you want to do the Bitcoin thing. And you can also find our P.O. box address if you want to go that route. I mean, there's been a lot of people when I ask on the social media, like, hey, I want to get I want to get rid of PayPal. What's a good solution? like like a bunch of people were like cash and i'm like okay i agree that cash would be a really good idea but the fact of the matter is we have a po box and that's been up for over a year and nobody has sent cash yet so you could say cash but that's really not a good answer or a good solution for what is something we can do to replace paypal but there are a bunch of other services out there And we will be moving to one, if not multiple, systems just to find out what is best. But thank you again for taking the time to listen to the Random Thoughts podcast. We will be back next week, and I'm sure there will be a lot to talk about. I mean, who will be president? Will we know? Keep on tuning in to find out. But until next time, I am Darren O'Neill.